be more like this amazing Lord that we serve. Let's have a word of prayer this morning as we turn our hearts to him. Lord, we love you. You've changed our lives. You've changed our eternities. And we know you're right here, right now with us. And Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, that our hearts will be ready to receive it. Pray, God, that everything that we do would reflect the reality of you in our lives. We are here to worship you, Jesus. We love you. And this is your time. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about encouragers needed. I know it's Thanksgiving week, and you're probably expecting that I do a message on Thanksgiving, but we did that a few weeks ago when we talked about the 10 lepers, and they were healed by Jesus. And how many of the 10 came back? One out of the 10, which is probably a good percentage of what we are thankful for, maybe 10% of what God blesses us with every single day in our lives. So be thankful this week. Focus on that, and may it carry over to the rest of the year. But I thought today I would talk about encouraging and how important it is that we be believers that encourage one another, that we be a church in which encouragement runs freely. We want to be a church like that because that's exactly what God wants for us as well. The bottom line of the talk today is this. Encouragement is a wonderful biblical quality that should dominate the communication of every follower of Christ. Barnabas, an early believer in the church, was such a follower, and he sets a great example for us. We're going to look at the life of a guy by the name of Barnabas. Now, that wasn't his real name, but he was so good at encouraging that the apostles nicknamed him Barnabas. And he has a fantastic impact in the early church. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles with you, uh, please bring them next week. But there should be a Bible on the chair in front of you, page 912 in your chair Bibles. And I'm going to actually start at verse 32. Because uh, this says a lot about the early church. You know, the church was born in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit descended on 120 believers in an upper, upper room with tongues as of fire. And something took place that day that had never happened in the lives of believers before. God entered into the lives of believers. Those who were followers of Christ became the temple of the Holy Spirit who now was dwelling within them. And the same is true of every believer today. It's true of you. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are now the temple of God. Holy Spirit dwells within you. He's there to encourage you and build you up. He's referred to as the parakletos in the New Testament, the called alongside Holy Spirit. He's called alongside of us to encourage us and build us up. And thousands of people are coming to faith in Christ. The church is growing. And this is how the church is described. In Acts chapter 4, I'm going to start at verse 32. It says this. Now the full number of those who believed were of what? One heart. Don't you love that? There was a unity in the church. They were of one heart. And the reality is this for the church that we are in today, Riverview Church, there is so much more that unites us than would ever divide us. May we be a church of one heart. We believe that Jesus Christ, God in flesh, laid down his life for us on the cross. And by faith in him, you're forgiven. By faith in him, you're adopted into the family of God. By faith in him, you are now a co-inheritor with Christ. He is our friend. He is our Lord. He's our Savior. He is our God. Then it says this, they're of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belong to them were his own. But they had everything in common. No one was saying, hey, this is mine, you can't have it. Hey, this is my stuff, I'm not going to let you have it. This is all for me. My life is lived for me alone. No one was saying things like that. Just the opposite. Verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. These were the same disciples that after the crucifixion of Jesus were in this locked room afraid to come out afraid they might be the next one to be crucified they were fearful for their lives but 
when they experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they became bold ambassadors for Jesus, willing to lay down their lives for what they knew really happened. Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And by the way, every one of them did lay down their lives for what they knew really happened. That Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and had power over death and had won victory over sin and granted everyone who believed in him eternal life. Verse 34, there was not a needy person among them. Isn't that cool? In the whole church, not one needy person. Why? Because all of the believers in the church were like, hey, we're here to meet the needs of one another. We're a family in, in God's kingdom. We're here to meet the needs of one another. We're here to fellowship with one another and get to know one another and support one another. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Here comes this guy named Joseph. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles, here it is, Barnabas, son of encouragement. It's a nickname that means son of encouragement. His real name was Joseph. But he was so good at encouraging others. The apostles gave him this amazing nickname. Son of encouragement. I need friends like that in my life. I need to be a friend like that in the lives of others. He was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This guy was so good at building up others. He acquired this nickname that was given to him by the apostles. I want to ask you today, if someone were to give you a name, a nickname indicative of your personality, what would it be? What nickname or adjective would sum up who you really are? Some of you might be sitting there thinking, you know, I'm thinking of the seven dwarfs, son of grumpiness. Grumpy. I won't even say dopey. I'm not even going to use that one. <laughs> son of criticism, son of complaining. You know, even the Bible says that encouragement is a spiritual gift. In fact, in Romans it says, if you have the gift of encouragement, encourage. You might say, oh, well, Mel, my gift is the spiritual gift of criticism. I am so good at it. I can go to any meeting and find a hundred things wrong with it. Mel, I am gifted at criticism. I have the gift of discouragement. Let me tell you today, there is no spiritual gift of criticism, amen? No spiritual gift of discouragement. There is a gift of encouragement. And it is so badly needed in the church today. I was so encouraged this morning before the 8 o'clock service. Yes, we do have an 8 o'clock service. You're invited to come to it, all of you, 8 o'clock. Before the 8 o'clock service, I was talking to a woman in the back, and she said, I said, hey, thanks for being part of our church. She said, oh, Mel, we love this place. My husband and I, we went to a number of different churches, and we never felt welcomed. And we came to Riverview, and people welcomed us. That was so encouraging to hear, but it also made me sad. Why? Yeah, because the other churches. Like, wait, wait a minute. You're telling me that there are people out there who know Jesus Christ and are changed by his power, and they don't welcome people into their fellowship? See, that should be a natural result of knowing Jesus in your life. I define biblical encouragement as this. The act of giving hope, comfort, Courage. That's where the word comes from, right? Encourage. You're putting courage into the life of someone or support to someone motivated by your love for Christ. Not like you can't help it. You're so encouraged that you're connected with Jesus. You can't help but let that encouragement overflow out of your life into the lives of others. Sadly, we are so negatively impacted by this world that always likes to make fun of people. If you're like me, when I was growing up, I was always too something. Too tall, too short, too fat, too skinny, too slow. Uh, your name, Melvin, too weird. Always something too something. The world loves to make fun of us. The world loves to make fun of others. 
reminded the story of James Dobson, Focus on the Family. I remember hearing an interview about how he named his daughter. And his wife and James Dobson were so concerned about naming their daughter a name that couldn't be made fun of by other kids, like the name Melvin could be, right? So they, they did a computer search, and they did all this research, and they came up with a name. They thought, man, there's no way they can twist this name to make anything weird out of this name. And they named their daughter Danae. And they said, to our amazement, the first time our daughter started to play with other kids, the kids were saying, not today. They were saying, hey, Decay, come over here. They're so good at finding something to be made fun of. That's the kind of world we live in. And it is so refreshing when you walk into a church and you find a group of people that are so committed to encouraging one another, to building one another up. And I want to say I brag about this church all the time. I am so thankful to be able to serve here as a pastor at Riverview Church. I love this church. But my prayer would be that we would take what God has blessed us with, this amazing unity, this amazing God that is at the center of everything that we do, and then it would change us to the point that we love to encourage one another, love to build one another up. Philippians 2, it's the kenosis passage. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, chapter 2, comes right after chapter 1. It says this. I love how Paul writes this. He says this. So, if, and I have the word if circled in my Bible because I think it's so amazing. He puts the word if there. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, you're like, Paul, of course there is. Before I came to Christ, I was lost uh, an eternity apart from God. When I came to Christ, I was forgiven, adopted into his family, an eternity with God. Of course that's encouraging. He said, if if that's the case, any comfort from his love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. You know, Christ in our lives should be so encouraging that it unites us. And we realize beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's so much more that unites us than ever divides us. Yes, there are minor theological differences we may have, but we are brought together by this amazing God who loved us all the way to the cross and laid down his life for us as a sacrifice for what I have done wrong. He gave his life for me. And that truth unites us in a way nothing else can. And as you sit here today, you know there are brothers and sisters around you who need to be encouraged that every time we come together, our church is dominated by the encouragement that comes from Christ and then flows out of our lives into the life of others. The first thing I see in the life of Barnabas is this. Encouragement is most effective when done in the context of sacrifice. I don't know if you're like me, but there have been people that have sacrificed a great deal to encourage me over the years. I wasn't always receptive to it. I didn't always see it. I often didn't thank people for it. But looking back, there were people who sacrificed a ton to encourage me. And I wish I could go back and say, thank you. That was so encouraging. I didn't even see it at the time but you lifted me up when I was down. You encouraged me when I was discouraged in my faith. You brought your resources to bear to lift me up. That's exactly what Barnabas does here. He sells something that's his that could have been used for himself and he sells it and gives it and says, hey, if anybody has a need, use it to meet that need. He was a son of encouragement. Loved to encourage people. And I want to tell you, When you want to encourage somebody, it will take a sacrifice. It'll take a sacrifice maybe of your time to stop and say, how are you doing today? Hey, you know, I saw you at that ministry the other day and what you did, well done. We had a Thanksgiving dinner here yesterday for some folks here at Riverview. And there were people working hard in the kitchen. It could have been a Saturday they used for themselves. But they were here working hard in the kitchen, putting together this amazing meal for people that came to enjoy a Thanksgiving dinner. 
Uh, they're not going to get a lot of attention for that, but they were here sacrificing their Saturday to bless others. If you want to encourage people, realize this. Number one, it's worth it to do it. But it'll take maybe a bit of your time to do it. It might take some of your talents to do it. Behind the scenes in this church, there are people all the time, and I probably hear it most uh, more than anyone else. I hear most of those stories, or many of them, people using their talents to bless others. That's how encouragement happens. I want to ask you today, in what ways are you using your time, your talents, your treasures to bless those that God has brought into your life? Husbands, how have you blessed your wife this week and encouraged her? Wives, how have you blessed your husband this week by encouraging him? Parents, how have you blessed your kids by encouraging them? Believe me, they are being discouraged every day by trying to find their niche in this world, by being attacked by friends at school, by being made fun of and put down by others. They need the encouragement of parents. Are you an encourager? We also had a celebration of life service yesterday. And in those services as a pastor, I attend a lot of them <laughs> because I, I lead them. But every one, I'm reminded, number one, that every day I'm one day closer to my celebration of life service if the Lord doesn't come back before that time. And I'm also reminded as I sit there and hear people share, what will people say about you at your celebration of life? service. My prayer would be they would say about you what they said about Joseph. They nicknamed him son of encouragement. Why? Because he was so good, so genuine, so real at lifting up people around him. May that be true of your life as well. May people say of you, he or she was so amazing at encouraging me when I was down and discouraged. So that's what Barnabas was like. He was a son of encouragement. He took his resources and sacrificed them for the needs of others. It's what 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to do. It says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. Is that a form of encouragement? Absolutely. I had a youth pastor who admonished my idleness on a number of occasions when I was in high school. Hey, Mel, you're so into these things over here and these sports over there. What are you doing for the Lord? What are you doing to build up others? This is all about you. I needed that admonishment because he was exactly right. And he said it in love and he said it because he saw some sort of potential in me that maybe somehow God could use me. Admonishing the idols is an encouraging thing. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. And I love this. Be patient with all. That people who come to Riverview Church will know, number one, they are loved. They are encouraged. They are built up. And if there's something wrong, there is a patience here to see God continue to do his work in this person's life. In fact, it's interesting in this passage, the word encourage at the top is the word parakleo. We talked about that. Called alongside someone. But then the same passage, the English word is used again, encourage. But it's a different Greek word. It's the Greek word paramutheomai, which means to relate closely to, to, to comfort someone. When someone's feeling discouraged, to give them comfort. When they're feeling faint-hearted, to lift them up. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, uh, he was at a point in his life a number of times where he was discouraged about life itself. That's how down he felt. But he writes this in 2 Corinthians 1. He said, the God of all comfort comforted us. Why? So that we could comfort others. So that we could reach out to others who are suffering and discouraged and faint-hearted and lift them up. Riverview Church, we are called to be a community of encouragers. Barnabas was a man who was so good at it and becomes an amazing example to us that we are to be like him. And I want to challenge you, be an encourager to someone who can be lifted up and helped by a godly use of your resources. 
But you say, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use my resources just on me. Yes, there will be times when you will spend time on doing things that you need to do. But you're always looking for opportunities to encourage others with the time and the talents and the treasures God has given to you. Here's the second thing I see in Barnabas. It's this. Encouraging flourishes in a heart that sees the best in someone. As you probably know, before Paul became Paul, he was referred to as what? As Saul. What was Saul doing when the church was born? Yeah, he was persecuting Christians, arresting them, flogging them. He was even there when Stephen was stoned to death because Stephen was a Christian. Saul was the coat checker, holding the coats. He was going around from town to town arresting Christians. And on the way to Damascus, something miraculous happens. A voice, Jesus, speaks out of heaven. A light shines down, knocks Saul to the ground. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm going to call him Paul from now on. Paul responds by saying, who are you, Lord, that I might know who I'm persecuting? Paul does a 180. He turns from being the greatest persecutor of the church to the greatest builder of the church. Writes one-third of the New Testament. Plants churches all around the Mediterranean world. But you can imagine when he first became a Christian, the disciples were concerned. If you look at Acts chapter 9, turn there in your Bibles. Acts chapter 9. Amazing passage. It says this. And, and you can imagine Paul realizes, wait a minute, I've been persecuting the church and Jesus is the Messiah. I now believe in him. I can't wait to tell the disciples. I can't wait to tell them. They're going to be so excited. They're going to love me and accept me. This is what happens. When Paul comes to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. I'm going to come over and meet you guys. But they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Verse 27, I love the butts of the Bible, don't you? But Barnabas, the son of encouragement, took Paul and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road Paul had seen the Lord who spoke to him. Don't you love this quality of Barnabas? Even at the risk of his own safety, he goes to Paul and welcomes him and says, man, I'm going to believe the best in you. Man, maybe there's a chance you're deceiving us, but I'm going to believe the best in you and love you and encourage you and build you up. You know, we're kind of facing that today, aren't we, with Kanye West. Kanye West has made a very public profession of his faith in Jesus Christ. And there are Christians that are criticizing him. At least at the very beginning, there were a number of them criticizing Kanye. And I'm thankful that there are believers, more and more of them, saying, you know what, hey, we need to be praying for Kanye. I've heard him say some things that I'm like, man, right on, Kanye. That was right on. I'm going to be praying for you that God will continue to use you in the way that he appears to be using you as a person impacting others for Jesus Christ. We should be that kind of encourager to someone like a Kanye. Yeah, we're going to pray for you. We're behind you. Keep preaching the word. Keep pointing people to Jesus. Barnabas was that kind of guy. He was willing to take a risk. Reach out to Paul and say, you're welcome, man. You're welcome here. See, they were all afraid. These disciples who were all afraid of Saul. But Barnabas took him and brought him. I want to challenge us all today to be an encourager that if you sense that someone may not feel accepted or connected, you're going to encourage that person. You're going to reach out. You're going to be one of the people here at Riverview Church that if you see someone you don't know that appears to be new or lost, you're going to reach out and say, hey, I don't know you. My name's Mel. What's yours? Welcome. It's so good to meet you. To be the church of God that he has called us to be, one that reaches out and encourages others and welcomes people who come to this place seeking Jesus and believing the best in them just like Barnabas, Barnabas did with Paul. Here's the third thing I see in Barnabas' life. Encouraging finds its greatest significance in spiritual application. It's great to tell people, hey man, you're really good at playing the guitar. Hey, wow, you, the way you play the piano, that's fantastic. Hey, you know what? I saw you playing basketball with the youth in the back. You're a really good basketball player. That's good. 
But the greatest application of encouragement is when you can encourage someone spiritually. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Another amazing incident in the life of Barnabas. This wonderful leader in the early church. I'm going to start at verse 19 of Acts chapter 11. It says this. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. What I love about this passage is even something negative like persecution ends up being something good. Why? Because people were persecuted and they left Jerusalem and took the gospel with them, like it says here. They were going to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch speaking about Jesus. And the church begins to spread around the Mediterranean world. They come to Antioch, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. Those are Gentiles. Those are Greeks. Another word for Greeks. Let me show you on the map exactly where Antioch is. On the map, it's north of Jerusalem. See Jerusalem, the red dot on the bottom of the map? Antioch is up there. First Gentile church that was planted. A church of Gentiles. And the Jews heard about it. There were a great number of people who believed and turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Hey, you know what? There's a church of all Gentiles up in Antioch. What are we going to do about this? I love this. And they chose one person to send to that church to encourage them. This is what it says. The report came to the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. You know, as good as it is to be an encourager, it's amazing if you can encourage someone in their walk with the Lord. Parents, it's amazing if the greatest recollection that your kids have of you is they felt encouraged by you in their walk with the Lord. That your greatest joy would be to see them follow Christ and put their faith and trust in Christ. That you love to encourage others in their walk with the Lord. See, that's what exactly Barnabas was sent to do. He exhorted them all to remain faithful. 1 Thessalonians says this about encouragement. We exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you, what? To walk in a manner worthy of God. May we be a church that loves to encourage others in their walk with God. The greatest application of the gift of encouragement is to exhort others to get deeper in their walk with God and closer to Jesus. That's the greatest application of the gift of encouragement. So I want to challenge all of us today to be an encourager to someone who may be struggling in their Christian walk and or ministry. That you would encourage someone like that. Husbands, are you encouraging your wives in their Christian walk? Are you saying things to build them up? Wives, are you encouraging your husbands? You know, I was doing some research this week, and there was a study done by the Studer Group on encouragement, especially in marriages. And it said this, the reports show that in the marriage, if you have a five-to-one complement-to-criticism ratio, the divorce rate in that marriage will drop from 50% to 7%. If you're like me, I lament over the divorce rate in America being 50% and even in the church. If we want to see that changed, the one way that this study suggests to make that number change is may your encouragement ratio, your complement ratio, be 5 to 1 over your criticism Ratio. By the way, in a Christian marriage, there should never be a destructive criticism ever in a Christian marriage. But let's just say a constructive criticism. Like, yeah, this is a way we can do things better. But may your complement ratio, things you say to your spouse, be five times greater than any criticism you levy against one another. The divorce rate drops from 50% down to 7%. That just shows you the power of encouragement. The power of encouragement. Husbands, be encouragers. Words of encouragement to your wife. Wives, encourage your husbands. 
Encourage them in what they're endeavoring to do. Yet yeah, no one's perfect. Everyone has their rough edges. But motivate your spouse, motivate your kids by being an encourager. See, that's what Barnabas did when he went to Antioch. He was in, exhorting them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And look what happened. And a great many people were added to the Lord, the text says. That leads me to the next point about encouragement. Encouraging seeks to ignite growth in the lives of others. When Barnabas was encouraging, a natural thing happened. God increased the number of people that were saved. The church was growing. Good things were happening. Hebrews 10 talks about it. 10, 24, and 25 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How we can encourage one another to do more loving around here. More good works. It says, but encouraging, and not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's that last statement all about? We are living in a world that's getting worse and worse. More and more in rebellion against God. That's why it's so very important for the church to be that one place in all of the world that has an amazing habit of encouraging one another, building one another up as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So church, be an encourager by inviting others to something that's blessing and growing you, building one another up. What happens here in the text? When Barnabas is at Antioch and he sees all these people coming to faith in Christ and this Gentile church is growing, what does he do? It says this in chapter 11. Verse 25, so Barnabas went to Tarsus. He's seeing all these people coming to know the Lord in Antioch. Next verse, so Barnabas went up to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church. He said to Paul, Paul, listen, man, there's something exciting happened in Antioch. I want you to be a part of it. We need you there. There's something really exciting happening in this church. And one way you can encourage others, if there's something that's causing growth in your life, invite others to it. If there's a book that's blessed you, give it to others. Hey, read this book. It really blessed me. If there's something that's growing you up in your walk, share it with others. Be an encourager to others in the spiritual things that are happening in their lives. Here's number five. It's this. Encouraging longs to give growers another chance. You know, the reality is this. In a church this size, there'll be times that I'm going to disappoint people. There'll be times when you may disappoint people. That happened in the life of Barnabas and in Paul. Let me share with you what happened. Barnabas and Paul went on their first missionary journey. This is what the Bible says. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John, also known as John Mark, left them and returned to Jerusalem. They're going on this missionary trip, their first one, planting churches, and halfway through, this guy named John Mark, who they thought had a lot of potential, quits, goes back home, deserts them. The missionary church, uh, the missionary journey mostly covered a region of the area known as Turkey today. John Mark leaves, he quits. Later on, as they are planning their second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, also called Mark, but Paul. Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them, one who was a quitter, basically, and had not gone with them to the work. Barnabas, being the son of encouragement that he is, didn't agree. It says this, and there was a sharp disagreement so that Barnabas and Paul separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. See, Barnabas saw the potential in this young man called John Mark. I believe in this guy, Paul. And I believe in him so much that even if it means we separate on this missionary journey, I believe in giving this grower another chance. And his instinct was exactly right. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes this, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark, the same John Mark that abandoned Paul. Paul is now writing years later. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. That young man ended up writing the second gospel of the New Testament. 
because Barnabas believed in him because Barnabas gave him another chance and he goes on to write the gospel of Mark so I want to challenge you to be an encourager by breaking down the walls and tensions that often exist when someone disappoints you give someone another chance be an encourager lift that person up you won't regret it I remember when I was in high school we had a youth group that I was involved in and all of a sudden we had this visitor from a competing high school. I went to West Essex High School. This guy that I knew from playing basketball against him attended Hanover Park High School. And he came to our youth group. And I didn't like him very much. I remember playing against him and I, I really didn't like him. And when he came to youth group, I kind of shied away from him. And he still came. Later, he put his faith and trust in Christ. I was at the meeting and saw him go forward to pray to receive Christ, and he experienced a radical change. And when we were seniors in high school, we had a senior night at our youth group. And my friend Jim, who's my close friend today, shared this at youth group. He said, I remember the first day I came to youth group. There was one guy that had welcomed me and invited me. And he turned to this young man called Roy and said, Roy, it was you. Thank you that made me come back and I came back and came to know Christ and I knew in my heart I had not been an encourager to Jim I knew I had failed I let my selfish desires take over and I didn't welcome him like I should have and in my heart to myself I said to myself I wish I had been Roy I wish I had been the person that welcomed Jim that ultimately led him to know Christ and as we seek to be the church that Jesus Christ has called us to be, I want to challenge all of us to look past the divisions that this world often wants to put between us and to be the person that reaches out in love and says, you're welcome here. And I want to encourage you in your walk with Christ. It leads me to the last point. It's this. Encouraging rejoices in the success and development of others. Barnas believed in John Mark. He wrote one of the Gospels and became very useful to Paul in ministry. My desire would be that we would be like that as well. Colossians 2.2 says this, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, that by encouraging one another, we see a church that grows up to be the church God has called us to be. So as we close, here's some things I want to challenge you with. I want you to be an encourager. Words of sincere affection. What do they look like? Words like, I love you. And they're sincere, not plastic, not fake. Love you. I'm proud of you. Husbands, do you say that to your wives? Hey, I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you in my life. Wives, do you say that to your husbands? Hey, I'm so thankful for you in my life. So glad you're part of my life. Yeah, we have our challenges, but I thank the Lord for you. That you would be a person that gives words of genuine affirmation, words like, man, I can't wait to see you do this. Can't, can't wait to see you grow in this area. Keep going in your walk with Christ. Don't quit. Don't give up. I love telling that to young people in our church. Don't ever give up. Keep going with Jesus. Don't let anyone at the public schools discourage you. Keep your eyes on the Lord. You will not regret it. Hey, you're great at doing this. Keep developing that gift. Hey, that, that was excellent how you did this or that. As parents, to say that to your children, to see the good in what they're doing. Words of edifying correction. Hey, let me show you something that's really blessed me in my life. I think this will help you grow. Hey, really good what, what you're doing. Keep, keep giving it your best effort. Keep going in the way you're going. Hey, you're really improving in your walk with God. Here's something I think you should try. They could really bless you. Here's this podcast I've been listening to that, that would really encourage you. Here's a book I read that I think would really bless you. And then lastly, words of lasting commitment. Words like, hey, I'm here for you. I'll always love you. You can come to me with any problem. I want to help you through it. The world so desperately is looking for a place where they are loved and encouraged. 
And my prayer would be every church that loves Jesus, every church that claims to be a follower of Christ would be a church in which that encouragement, that kind of love dominates. And may we as a church be a church that when someone walks through our doors for the first time, they sense a place of true encouragement, true love, building one up one another and being here for one another because of the encouragement Jesus Christ has brought to our lives. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our hearts in prayer today. And I want to ask you today, are you an encourager? Would someone name you a daughter of encouragement, a son of encouragement? It's biblical. We all should be doing it. Don't miss another day of being an encourager. Lord, we're so amazed by how you bless us and encourage us every day. You're so good to us. You've given us hope when we had none. You helped us when we were helpless in our lives. And that interaction that we have had with you makes us want to be like you. Help us to encourage others in their walk with you. Help us to use our time, our talents, our treasures to bless others. May we be a church in which we sense the true love and encouragement that you've blessed us with. We're amazed. We love you, Jesus. This is all for you. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing this song. So we raise up holy hands to praise the Holy One. leaders up front who love to pray with you about anything going on in your life. Please love one another and encourage one another and live this week all for him. God bless you. See you on the patio.